Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome into the Alana Inquirer podcast, and boy, got good feelings about you know, like Illinois football gets a huge win. Illinois basketball with some good recruiting buzz. I don't know what I'm going to title this podcast yet, but it feels like Mr. Momentum is on the Illini side right now. We're going to dive into it. We're going to talk some Illini basketball recruiting with Derek Piper here in a few minutes. We're going to count down some of the greatest moments from that victory over Wisconsin, and then we're going to preview what is a huge game at Purdue, but this is Jeremy Warner along with Isaac Trotter with me. Isaac, finally, some good vibes at the Illinois Athletics Department. Doesn't this make our job so much easier, right? Like, there's <laughs> some more fun. You know, Rod Smith comes into the press conference on Monday. He's like, yeah, the air smells better. The food tastes better. I agreed. I was right on board with him, too. Everything felt a little bit better. So this is going to be really fun. I, I, I think the Wisconsin win was such a relief off of the shoulders uh, of Josh Whitman and Lovey Smith and these Illinois players. A little bit of a, a statement game for them and a statement win. So this program needed a win like that. They got a win like that. And now it's so important to build off of it. And I've talked about it. I feel like this game against Purdue on Saturday could possibly be the most important game of the Lovey Smith tenure. It'll be really exciting. Yeah, it is now, right? Like right. as we look in hindsight, like the North Carolina game was was a big one for him in his first year. You think back to last year's Purdue game, homecoming. You just won a game. Can you win two in a row, right? But then you get clobbered forty six to seven. So we don't look back at that one as, as as a very big game, but it could have been. I think USF last year was a monster game. When they lost that, I didn't write. Oh, they were close. They're getting better. No, you missed a huge opportunity because if they win that game, that entire season feels different. I think this entire offseason feels a little bit different. I think recruiting is a little bit easier. So now it's just like the Eastern Michigan game. That was a monster game, right, in hindsight, and you lost it. Uh, and then you lose a couple close games to Nebraska, and then you had a lead over Michigan. So, yeah, as of right now, it's the biggest because if you win this one, you feel like there's no doubt Lovey Smith will probably be back next year, right? Like you win this one, you're going to beat Rutgers. And then you have one of three chances, a 33% chance. You just win one of those games. There's no doubt Lovey Smith's back. And, and to be honest with you, at 5-7 and seven with a win over Wisconsin, I think Lovey Smith would probably be back anyway. Yeah, I probably agree with that. I mean, and that's the most important thing. Like, you could head into these final three games, 5-4, and four, and let's be honest, at the beginning of the year, we thought Michigan State was going to be really, really good. They're not. They've been underwhelming. We thought Iowa was going to be really, really good. They're not. They've kind of been underwhelming. They're, they're off. They're a Big Ten West team. Right, right. And then Northwestern, coming off of a, a representing Illinois or representing the Big Ten in the Big Ten title game, 
they're not very good at all either. So now you feel like you you sense that you have an opportunity. I wouldn't call Illinois favorites to win any of those three games. They might be against Northwestern. They may be. True, <laughs> because of their quarterback issues. But they've put themselves in a position where as, yeah. as you kind of cover the team, you go into that game, you go, yeah, Illinois is not going to get crushed here. They have the opportunities. They have the horses. They have the talent to be able to compete with all three of those games. And that's why this, win, this, this opportunity over Purdue to get a win is so, so valuable. Yeah, it's not make or break, but boy, it's just, you feel like it'd be going way uphill after this. And, and, and they kind of rolled the dice a little bit last weekend with Wisconsin homecoming game. Usually you do bring a lot of recruits. They didn't bring a lot. But they brought a couple kids that they really want. It seems like Deuce Span is a kid they really want at quarterback. Trayvon Riggins and Miami commit, and I think that one's a little iffy of whether he'll end up at Miami, a three-star defensive lineman. And then four-star linebacker Antonio Doyle. Didn't feel like he had much of a chance heading into that official visit. Texas A&M sitting in a good spot. And then you get him on campus for the biggest upset in program history. right? Like, that'll, that'll work. That'll work. <laughs> yeah. So it's like they couldn't have done that any better. Like if he would have been here for, I don't know, like, like even the second game of the season, or Akron, the opening game, it wouldn't have had the same effect. The fact that you beat Wisconsin. And this is a kid that committed to Missouri because he wanted to be a little closer to home, he wanted to play with some kids that he knows. Um, I think Illinois has got a good, uh, not a good chance, but a, a solid chance here. Uh, now, after that, win if they can keep on winning. they got to continue to send that sentiment, but Texas A&M still considered the favorite from people I've talked to, but Illinois made them think about it, and now LSU, uh, he's not even going to visit there this weekend, so I, I think that could be a monster recruiting weekend, and that win reverberates everywhere. Again, as long as you follow it up with more wins. Yeah, exactly, and that that's the most important thing. And it, 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 that day and that moment was so impressive. But like well, like we know about betting, right? In sports betting, they go, all right, if a team coming off an emotional big time upset victory, you probably should fade them the next week, right? That's what the Illinois coaching staff is trying to fight this week. Illinois is going to have a high that they're coming off of. Now they're going to get out, come out against Purdue, and they're going to get punched in the mouth because this Purdue offense can get up and down the field. Jack Plummer's had a really good year. Rondale Moore might be injured, but they still got stud wide receivers like David Bell, they're going to punch you in the mouth. And can Illinois respond after that little bit of a high? And let's be honest here, Illinois is kind of injured right now. They've had a lot mm-hmm. of guy, a key guys go down with injuries. We're not sure what the status is of Ricky Smalling. Not sure of the status of Wale Batiku. Wait, Lovey doesn't tell us about injuries? He doesn't, unfortunately. Just How often do you get... How often do you get tweeted about injuries or asked about injuries? Like, guys, what's going on? It's Lovey Smith team, guys. I'm sorry. Like 40 times a week. <laughs> He's just not going to tell us. And I understand it. I understand it from his perspective, but it's like. Hey, I, I love he didn't tell us. We asked him about her. He says he's not going to talk about injuries. So yeah, and, and kind of where we are, and that's kind of where we're at. And we'll finally find out who's going to play when we show up in in West mm-hmm. Lafayette on Saturday, and that's when we'll find out. And so if Illinois is down on the injury count, if Patiku's out, if Smalling's out, if a, if you know we are, are already know that Trayvon Sidney's out, but if those are the three guys that are out for the rest of the year, that could change how we feel about this team because the talent is good at the top, but the depth isn't quite there yet. Yeah, Sydney's out. Uh, I think Smalling has a chance to be out for a long time. Patiku's the one that I think is most intriguing. Yeah. And he's going to be very, very important. But it's nice to have meaningful games going into the end of October because a month ago I didn't know if we'd have that, uh, especially if that Eastern Michigan loss. So it's nice to have these meaningful games and hugely meaningful games for this staff. And kudos to them after starting 2-4 and four for getting there because as we've talked about, Lovey Smith had a great game plan. I think Rod Smith has had a really good back-to-back weeks. But hope has returned. And as Lovey Smith said, we got to see that video inside the locker room let's make it two in a row 
because that is the most important thing. We'll break down some of the moments from that Wisconsin game, the top moments. Uh, we'll break down Purdue. We'll preview that game, give our thoughts, keys to the game, and maybe our predictions as well. When we come back, let's dive into hoops. This could be a big couple weeks in the recruiting trail for Illinois basketball. Derek Piper joins us next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Illini Inquirer podcast. And before we dive into the hope that is Illinois football right now, uh, let's get into Illinois basketball, which has a lot of good vibes, uh, especially on the recruiting trail. And let's bring in our guy, Derek Piper, Illini Inquirer. Uh, so, Derek, I think we were sitting here thinking maybe a couple weeks ago, I'd just get one of these main point guards. And, and right now they seem to be in an enviable spot for both Andre Curbelo and Adam Miller. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what it seems like. And that, as you mentioned, is the hope and dream going in and we know that the staff hasn't necessarily had a lot of things figured out in the fall and in these past recruiting classes and uh, Andre Carbello has since taken the visit to Illinois he's visited Miami not going to visit Oregon and the decision is on the way probably within the next week or so sounds like within the next week really uh, sounds like he wants to do something at the high school and uh, all the crystal balls are flying in for Illinois and talks a lot about how how good he is, what he could mean as far as being one of the best passers in the country. And as you mentioned with Adam Miller, no, nothing as far as you know, concrete on a decision date yet. He's, again, said recently, December, January. I've, we talked last week on the podcast. I, I think that I would lean. I took the under uh, on him going in the fall. And, of course, we're going to have to hear that from him. But uh, right now, Illinois is the, the team to beat with, with both of them. And if you can get them with Coleman Hawkins and, uh, and, you know, if you get Bernard Coomer in this class, I, I think you've done your job, and I think it would be an A for, for Brad Underwood and company. No, absolutely. So what do you think they did so well with Andre Curbelo uh, on the visit if they are going to lock this one down in the next couple weeks? Uh, it's relationships, and that that's really the number one thing. And I, I, there was no chance for any coach in this recruitment to, to surpass uh, Orlando Antigua on that front, where the fact that he's known – Curbelo's dad for so long, and they played pro ball together in Puerto Rico. Uh, Orlando's recruited Andre longer than anybody. I think Brad uh, needs to be given credit, obviously, particularly if they if they follow through and get this commitment uh, for building the relationship as well with Andre. And uh, he sees the opportunity, and it just seems like something that you know from what you hear that he was really comfortable with, and uh, they they prioritized him. And uh, but at the end of the day. For him to go somewhere, uh, you know, being an international kid and uh, your your parents are back in Puerto Rico, uh, you want to go somewhere where you're comfortable, uh, where you can trust the coaching staff, and uh, there's no doubt that they have that with Antigua. I think Orlando's, uh, Orlando did a fantastic job, similar to Kofi Cockburn, and uh, it sounds like Illinois is, is on the verge of, of reeling him in. 
Piper, when you look at what this Illinois basketball staff has done, I mean, remember when Brad Underwood was hired, it felt like the biggest question about him was recruiting. Well, now you got Ayo DeSumo in one class. The next class, you get Kofi Coburn. And now the next class after this, you're having great traction with Andre Curbelo and Adam Miller. How impressive is this kind of run here by this Illinois staff recruiting-wise? And when you look back, have you seen three straight classes like this where you've been able to add a high-impact freshman right away? Like I, I, I can't think of a, a three in a row where Illinois kind of get, getting their A-tier targets. Yeah, if you make a good point. If you throw Mark Smith in there, I know that one didn't work out, but uh, was a hotly contested recruitment, top 100. You count him, and then Io, and then Kofi, and if you get Andre or Adam or both, uh, that's four straight classes with the top 100 prospect. And Illinois hasn't done that uh, since Bill Self and, and Bruce Weber combined to do it in 2000 through 2003. Those classes. So uh, we've, you know, when Brad Underwood was hired, we talked a lot about his coaching acumen and. Uh, you know, what he can do developmental-wise and his offense and everything. And, and he's going to have to show that on the court this year because I think everybody you know, is talking Illinois basketball, says they have the talent. Uh, but that was one of the questions is, you know, is he going to be able to, to recruit at the level necessary to bring Illinois basketball back? And I, I think uh, at this point, if they do follow through and get Andre and get Adam uh, with, you know, Andre's Felice and Io being out after this year, then they're in a, they're in a place not only to win this year, but to win uh, the next coming years and be something that's sustainable. If they're able to get Curbelo and Miller on board early in the fall, like Illinois basketball hasn't really done that in, in, in recently. It feels like they're always recruiting into the, the spring and late into the summer at some point. But if they're able to get these guys on early, how does that change how they're able to attack the next coming classes after this, knowing that, hey, we already got the class of 2020 pretty much locked down with Hawkins and Miller and Curbelo? Changes a lot. It, it really does. And uh, this past weekend, I know a lot of the talk was around Curbelo, and, and for good reason, but to have Ahmad Bynum, the point guard from Simeon in town, Brandon Weston, Morgan Park, two top 100 juniors, and then also A.J. Casey, uh, who is now at Tenley Park, and he's a 24-7 composite five-star sophomore, a lot of a lot of upside. And you hear the talk around the staff and the Atlanta camp as well. You know, you get Adam and you get Andre, and obviously you're focused on winning this upcoming year, but uh, whenever you get a chance, you're going to live with those guys, with those younger guys, and uh, able to you know show your face and, and recruit them as, as hard as anybody else. And some other staffs have had that, uh, you know, around the Big Ten or around the country have had that benefit. Uh, and also, uh, you could try to potentially bring in, uh, you know, out-of-state kid. You know, Alan Griffin's brother comes to mind. I don't know how realistic that is. He just took an official dude. But that's just an example of uh, you maybe allocating some official visits if possible if the timeline works out with the high school schedule and everything. But uh, it, it really boils down to, we talked a lot about it, and getting a very good 2020 class and then winning on the court this upcoming season. And, and I think that is really the key for the 2021 class, 2022 class, is making the NCAA tournament and having some buzz after that. But if they can pair that with a lot of effort uh, throughout the season and then also having the product on the court, uh, it could really set up where Illinois is starting to roll. Derek Piper, what's your dream of this backcourt, right? Because this year's backcourt is going to be really good with Trent Frazier, Io DeSumo, and Andres Felice. What is a backcourt of Trent Frazier, Andre Cabello, um, obviously Adam Miller, you had Austin Hutcherson to the group, Alan Griffin. What's that backcourt look like in a year and a half if these two do sign with Illinois? It looks really darn good. It looks really darn good with Andre 
just setting everybody up. And, and when you got potentially Trent Frazier on one side and Adam Miller on the other, and both of those dudes can make stops as soon as they step on the court, or, you know, as soon as they walk in the gym, they're, they're within their range. Uh, that's that's big time. And then also uh, to have Andre facilitate for Georgie and, and Kofi and, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Alan Griffin as well and some other pieces on this team, uh, that is a, a, a very, very capable backcourt to, to kind of sustain the high-level play that they should have with Io, Andre, and, and Trent. And, of course, there's going to be an adjustment as a freshman uh, with Adam. You know, Adam is a, a top 50 player, but we even saw with Io that, that he's got a – it took some time uh, to be able to figure it all out. And um, Andres needs to get stronger, and he his three-point shot isn't where it's going to be in a couple of years. But at the same time, uh, they are impact players, and Trent Frazier being a senior, and as you mentioned, Hutcherson having a year in the system, and, and Alan Griffin um, expected to emerge this year, breakout player. Uh, that is enough in the backcourt to where what you have in the frontcourt if you bring back Georgie and Kofi to, to look at Illinois after the year if they make the tournament and be like, they should make it again. Yeah. The last one for me, Derek, is, all right, so if these two sign in the in next month in November, uh, who, who are your top three guys you get asked about or write about now with, with prospects? Because these two have been 1A and 1B for the last year. Yeah, I think it really switches into future classes and really the 2021 class. And uh, I think he probably sticking in state with Bryce Hopkins. And that's one where he didn't make it to campus this past weekend. There was one they, they hoped and they had invited him and he went to Northwestern on the Friday night game. And uh, can you become a big player there? That is something that has really yet to be determined. And again, if you, if you went on the court this year, uh, that can help you. And then Brandon Weston and Ahmad Bynum, because, uh, Ahmad Bynum is really lining up, as we've talked a lot about with Andres and Io being out, and you fill that with Adam and, and Curbella. Well, if Trent leaves and you fill that with, with Ahmad Bynum, uh, who's a top 100 and, and a score-first combo guard, uh, that just seems to fit, and it makes a lot of sense. Brandon Weston uh, on the wing is a you know athletic guy that can score, and Demonte Williams will be gone in, in after 2020 as well. So uh, I think that's really what you're looking at and how you're trying to stack it up is uh, going forward to, to 2021 and and looking at those in-state guys. Of course, you're still going to talk about uh, attrition potentially at the end of the year. It always seems like you can count on that. Uh, is Bernard Kuma the guy, or is there somebody else that emerges? Uh, that, that'll still be something to monitor and something to look at. But uh, for the most part, if you do your job and, and get Andre and get Adam with Coleman Hawkins and get those guys signed, I think you start to finally look towards future classes. Yeah, that, that that was kind of my question too. Like, if you get those three guys and those are your that's your class, is that last spot there just for a big like Kuma, or would you consider possibly bringing in another wing? Like, to me, just looking at this roster, it feels like if Georgie comes back, if Kofi comes back, you have Hamlin still here. You kind of could use one more big, especially with Kipper Nichols moving on. Yeah, the front court is where the next that other addition would be. Uh, I think on the wing, there's already talk that. You know, someone's going to maybe be the odd man out. <clears throat> Excuse me, when you have Jacob Granderson and uh, Austin Hutcherson, I know is more of a combo guard, but uh, Alan Griffin, Demonte Williams, Jacob Granderson, Tev, uh, that somebody may not get the kind of playing time. I know Granderson won't be available this year. Uh, someone may be the odd man out there, and that may influence someone to, to look elsewhere. 
as a transfer and whatnot. And I don't want to you know speculate on who that would be. We'll have to let the season play out. But uh, as far as you know, Kofi's not going to be here you know for the long term. It may only be one more year after this year. Uh, of course, he's going to have to show that he's an NBA quality big or, or and whatnot. And Georgie, there's a question of uh, is he going to be here the full four years? I expect both to be back next year, but. Adding another piece to the front court with Jermaine Hamlin, uh, and if it is Bernard Kuma or or that if that doesn't work out, somebody else. Uh, I think that that's what you're looking at. Good stuff as always, Derek Piper, all over the basketball news, and it sounds like we could get news soon. Derek, thanks, man. No problem, man. Hey, let's keep, keep football interesting. Right? Yeah, it's interesting. We get some football recruits to talk about as well. Thanks, Derek. There you go. No problem, guys. All right, good stuff. Yeah, two A targets you could hit on in the next couple weeks, right? Like, if you're hitting on two A targets every class and then you fill in with some nice role players, you got a good program there, Isaac. Yeah, you do. I mean, I I look at this class, and if you add a a Curbelo and you add Miller together, those two guys coming in as freshmen, I mean, I don't think they'd have to both start because you'd still probably have Alan Griffin here and Trent Frazier there. But they could just learn under Trent and continue to grow, and you're not necessarily putting all the pressure on them to be, hey, you got to be all Big Ten freshman team right away Mm -hmm. like you had for Io. So that could kind of be be good for Illinois in the long haul. And Curbelo's impact, I mean, the passing that he adds, the defense that he could add, the jump shot that is very capable and he'll continue to grow there, that's a stud, and that's a star, and that's kudos to Antigua and this staff for getting it done. He's really getting it done, Antigua, on the trail, and I like that those guys really complement each other well. If they're looking at each other, you can say, that guy makes me better, just like I think Io and Trent and Andres make each other better. They can play off each other. Curbelo is more the facilitator, the distributor, right? He can obviously score, um, but he's more like the, the Xavier Simpson, Cassius Winston of the world, while you have Adam Miller, who's more a longer Trent right. Frazier, the right. good bucket getter. He can uh, catch on fire. And we've seen guys, whether it was Louisville or UConn or whatever, those, those dual guards just play well with each other. Well, it's other. impressive, too, how Illinois has been able to sell their mission and sell what they're trying to do after a 21-loss season, right? Like, And you're starting to see people are, are buying into what they saw and that three guard lineup that was so good at times last year is really working on the recruiting trail and that's a good pitch that Illinois can use and recruits are buying in too so Illinois is not selling hope anymore now they got and that's in football too right you're not selling hopes anymore after you beat Wisconsin because now you have something on the field that you can say okay this is what it really looks like this is what we've built towards that's the same kind of thing with basketball and you could kind of see it on the floor this year and then of course parlaying that onto the court next year with with Miller and Curbelo. I don't think we can underestimate or under-talk about how much Io DeSumo committing to you meant, right? The, the fact that he committed to you gave you an, an NBA-caliber player, and he's developed well under you, and you've helped develop him into a better or higher NBA ceiling. Could be a lottery pick after this year. People take notice of that even if you are 12 and 21, right? So the, the Io DeSumo effect, I think, has been huge on this program. And him returning, obviously, is huge for this program. I don't think we can understate that, Isaac. No, I completely agree. But then also the other part of this is... Brad Underwood and his staff are, are resonating on the trail, right? You have to yeah. have those relationships, and Illinois has worked hard to build those. And so I assume is obviously a huge piece. I think him coming back might be even bigger, too, just because you could see it on the court uh, again this year. But the, the relationships that Antigua has, has re- developed over the years has been really good. The wide net that this staff has been able to cast to get talent when those guys in the in-state in, in Illinois in the last couple of years were kind of down on Illinois for fair reasons. That's mm-hmm. helped you get some talent here, which makes – makes that transition for some of these guys easier. And listen, I really think the Stephen Gentry hire is going to be 
one of those things that we might look back on in a couple years and go, wow, that was actually a really good piece there because obviously he's not the lead recruiter for any of these guys, but his ability to teach and his ability to develop these guards will be so fascinating in the future. And if, if that's a guy that you know Brad Underwood trusts and says, hey, this is a monster on film, he's going you know, to crush it with film, he knows how to develop these guys, then you could see Curbelo turn into a really, really good player, Miller, of course, and, and develop and help this Illinois basketball team take a big, big step. Uh, this is high praise, but you're hoping he could be your Luke Yaklich. Right. right? right. <laughs> that kind of guy who could eventually be a, a head coach and a very sought-after assistant coach. If you want to, uh, yeah, that was great stuff with Derek Piper. Um, good to know that basketball is in a good spot for some of their top targets. And boy, if you have a good season on top of a good 2020 class, this thing could really get rolling to where Illinois fans want it to be. I think uh, the optimism is, is abound for basketball, but obviously football did it on the field at least for a week. And let's revel in that game a little bit more when we come back. Let's count down the top ten moments of that, I'll say historic, victory over number six, Wisconsin. That's coming up next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, I I know it's been a couple days here, Isaac, but how can we not relive that Wisconsin game just a little bit more? Because I got to watch the film. Have you watched it again? Yes, Yes, I did. Have you you watched the whole game? Yes. Uh, Was there any big thing you missed in the in the rewatch because the, the I knew it was happening but when I rewatched that game uh you and I were sitting next to each other in in the press box and I was saying this defense has come to play this defensive game plan is fantastic but rewatching it I just couldn't believe the team that I'd seen getting run over by Minnesota at times Eastern Michigan Nebraska Michigan they just completely dominated up front. And, and it was every defensive lineman that, that you can think of. Guys that have frustrated us all year. Owen Carney, Isaiah Gay, uh, Ioshuk Banyo. Uh, these guys were having their career games. Tymir Oliver. And then, of course, Jamal Milan and, and Batiku made some plays too, But and Jamal Woods. But like every one of those guys felt like they played their best game in a line of uniform. Calvin Avery played his best Calvin game in, Avery, Avery, yes. in, the, in the uniform. Um, I'm trying. There was one other that had a, a – oh, Kenyon Jackson had a big stop yes. on that, that goal line stand. So, yeah, I mean, that was the thing too. You kind of took the words out of my mouth. When I rewatched the game, I was shocked how well the Illinois defensive line, who had been much maligned by us throughout the training camp and all – Deservedly so. And deservedly so, right? How well they dominated that game. How much they dominated a Wisconsin offensive line that, although they had lost four starters from that that really good offensive line last year, we still thought that they were really, really good. And they had proven earlier this season that they are really, really good. They entered the game allowing the least number of sacks. They're leading the Big Ten in rushing. Like They've done all of these things well. And Illinois' defensive line murdered them. Another <laughs> thing that really popped out to me was, you know, everybody talks about how good Jake Hansen was, but Daley Harding played his butt off. He was That was awesome. his kind of game. That 
that was. That's his kind of game where it's they're not going to spread it out very much. You're not going to attack the seam all that much. Jake Ferguson was mostly on the perimeter, so I think that helped him a little bit. But Ferguson's not like an athletic tight end. I mean, he's he's a decent athlete, but it's not a guy who's going to run away from you. Maybe like Bryson Hopkins, but like that game's perfect for him. It's an in the box game, and that's where he really gets to shine because he's physical and playing downhill. Also, one other thing: what did you think of Lovey Smith getting really like? We all know him as to not be risky and everything. He was really risky with his defensive game plan, and he put his corners on an island. He was trusting Devin Witherspoon not to make mistakes, and he nearly did make one. He was trusting his corners one-on-one coverage against good Wisconsin wideouts and putting the rest of the guys in the box and being like, go stop the run, right? Like That was a little bit surprising to me just because he's always been such a guy that doesn't want to give up those big plays, and he had Wisconsin could have had opportunities to get big play after big play, and they just couldn't do it. It's the team you do it against. Because even though Cephas is really good, Ferguson's really good, they aren't guys who are going to run away from like you can you can make up for it. Like you can catch up with them. Right? Like Purdue it'll be interesting. Right. There'll be more zone. I think right? they can do that against Michigan more. State and Iowa. I think yes. that type of game plan could work against those and maybe even Northwestern too. But it was nice to see. It was really nice to see. You can't do that against Nebraska. Right, you can't do that against Spielman and Wandale Robinson. So I get why they didn't do it, but it was a really worthwhile risk. And, and his defensive backs, even though they bent at times and they gave up a lot of yards, especially in the first half in the air, uh, they didn't give up the big plays and they made some big plays and they were fantastic. They were fantastic in the box tackling. Uh, the defensive backs kind of get overlooked a little bit, but Sidney Brown, Stanley Green, Nate Hobbs, uh, and then of course Tony Adams made a big play. But all right, I, I got a top ten list. Okay, I'm of, ready of the, of the top ten plays, and I struggle with this. I kind of want to leave Reggie Corbin's touchdown run out. I can't. That'd be number ten. For me. <laughs> yeah, so I I kind of want to leave it out, but I won't. But it's all these little defensive line plays that aren't going to get in here that were just so impactful. Um, there was. There's one where Io Shogbanyo just knocked a Wisconsin defense, offensive tackle into the backfield three yards. He's a 6'2", 240-pound guy. He did this multiple times. Uh, one of them, Jamal Milan, just absolutely body slammed Jonathan Taylor. That was awesome. It's not going to be in my top ten, but that's a monster play. Like these are these are plays that change the game, but it's all these little ones that add up. But okay, number ten, I have Reggie Corbin's touchdown run. And while Alex Pochessi kind of got some of the airtime because he drove the guy and he drove his uh, defender into the ground, Richie Pettibone had the block of that whole entire thing. Uh, really pulled, came around, made a big block, and Richie had gotten kind of crushed on the first play of, yeah. of the game. So it was great to see, but it was just nice to see Reggie have that big run again, making a defender miss and getting by somebody. We haven't seen that in the last couple weeks. Well, and that play came because of tempo from Rod Smith, right? Illinois had finally strung together a couple first downs, and then he rushed up to the line of scrimmage. Wisconsin wasn't really set, and they just went and gone. And that and that's how that that's how Rod Smith dials those things up. I, I completely agree. That would have been on the, on my top ten. I had it. I was when I was thinking about this. I think Robert Rosenthal put out a top like sixteen or eighteen plays. He kept mixing around. He didn't have it in his top ten. But he was it was close and it would have been top ten for me. Yeah, there were some defensive line plays I'd like to put over that, but it's a forty three yard touchdown run. So it's hard kind of important. To. It brought Illinois back within six. Donnie Navarro. Touchdown comes at number nine for me. You know how big of a fan I've been of him. I didn't see him running away from a couple of defenders. I know they ran into each other, but still, he was able to to run past the defender. He ducked his shoulder underneath the safety too. He kind of yeah. set them up to hit each other. Yeah, he gets he gets open, man. That's what I've always liked about him. Runs crisp routes, gets open, and he catches the ball. To be fair, a- you did like Jordan Holmes more. 
I'm, well, I'm still like Jordan Holmes. He can go up and get it. I, outside of uh, Joshie Mathur Baby, I don't know if there's a go up and get it guy. Quite like Jordan Holmes. He's just small. Nothing right? like he's a just, six foot out, yeah, wide, white wide receiver that can go up and get it. I love he it. He can, man. Uh, yeah. Donnie, Donnie Navarro, uh, what a play that was. And they needed it. They needed a big play. They were down, what, 20 to 7 at that time? Or four, it was 14 to 7. Uh, and they get a big play, uh, 13 to 7. It was 10 nothing. Was it? He, yeah, it was ten nothing. Okay, and that, that was, was the first on. touchdown to make it ten seven. You needed that kind of big play, yeah. and Wisconsin had not had a big play. You're right; it was ten nothing because you need to hang around in that game. You needed your offense, which was really struggling, to do that, and people hadn't done that to Wisconsin, right? Like they hadn't had a big play, and that was the first first half touchdown against Wisconsin this year. So, kind of, it kind of, I think it told the offense that. Hey, these guys aren't beatable. Like Alex Pauchewski told us, they bleed too. Well, and, and, and it also kept Illinois in the game. That could have mm-hmm. easily, if, if if that play doesn't happen and Illinois gets stopped there, they force a punt. Wisconsin could have marched right down, used about six or seven more minutes on the clock, and it'd probably be seventeen nothing going into half. Instead, it's ten seven. Wisconsin has to go kick a field goal, thirteen seven, and that changed the entire complexity of the game. Yeah. All right, number eight, not a not a touchdown play, but just a monster throw and a big catch at a time of need. Uh, Brandon Peters and Daniel Barker, third down conversion. Yes, huge play. Yeah, third down in, what, seven or something like that, midfield. Your running game wasn't getting going, and you needed a throw. That was an NFL throw by by Brandon Peters, who struggled most of the game. But, uh, man, he made some big-time throws, and he got rid of that ball in a hurry. And Daniel Barker... Thanks, uh, Alana Nation. Thanks you for catching it because that was a, that was a heater. Well, and also think about Ricky Smalling had gone out with an injury, which forced Daniel Barker to become a much bigger part of the offense. Right? If that doesn't, which happen, is a good thing, which is a very <laughs> very good thing. And we talk about Josh Amaterbebe so much as the Illinois big play, big target guy on the outside. I think Barker can absolutely be that second big play, big a big guy on the outside that you just throw it to and have him go get it. And so it was important for him to get involved in that offense. I completely agree. Without that third down conversion. There, you're talking about fourth and six, and Illinois has not been good on fourth down this year, especially in the past game. Yeah, and uh, Barker against Purdue, they're going to run around a nickel, uh, nickel. I like him in the middle of the field. I think he's going to be uh, a matchup problem, and I, I kind of wanted them to use him a little bit more earlier in the year, so uh, I'm happy he got targeted. Number seven, another beautiful Brandon Peters pass. He prolonged the play, uh, and I, I mentioned on the podcast after the game that it was a good block. It was Reggie Corbin, who hasn't blocked very well at all. Last week uh, had a terrible block attempt against Matt Robinson on one of the strip sacks, uh, but what a throw. What a block, and what a catch by Joshi Matsorbebe. Going down, the defender's arm is, is in him, and he catches the ball and the arm, and he holds on. It was just a heck of a grab at a heck of a, and a heck of a play at a heck of a time. And did you expect Josh Matsorbebe to be leading Illinois in touchdown catches through this? I mean, at what we saw at the beginning of training camp, I did not see it coming at all. I was more on the Trayvon Sidney train. I thought that Ricky Smalling was due for a breakout year. And Matsorbebe has turned himself into an absolute stud of this offense. And listen, I've had people mess Messenger me or text me or you know tweet at me. Hey, is Amatur Bebe guaranteed coming back next year? I don't know. He's put himself in that conversation to possibly be able to make that jump to the pros, and that was a huge play that brought Illinois right back in it. And it was funny because I was standing right on the sideline next to Kevin Mitchell when that happened, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Throw it to Matter Bebe, throw it to Matter Bebe." And when it happened, and Mitchell like picked me up and like threw me over <laughs> his shoulder a little bit. I thought I was going to die on the sideline. That's a strong man, he Kevin is. Mitchell. Um, Bebe, when it comes to the NFL. I just don't know how much quickness, straight line speed there yeah. is, which is why I kind of thought his. I thought he'd make a big impact, just like all these guys, because he's a big physical mm-hmm. target. We saw the hands during training camp. 
I didn't know he'd be that great of a downfield threat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's or running made, away from people. Like he did. He, I mean, he broke 20 miles an hour. He's on the 20-mile-an-hour club now. That's pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah, that, he's got more of that than I thought. Right, I, I, he's not the, he's not going to make you miss in space, but he can run through you. Right, so he does have next level some next level yeah. traits. Think about um, this: Illinois has thrown for thirteen touchdowns this year. Six of them have been to Matt or Bebe. Yeah, he's he's the big play guy, and and I think Brandon Peters, especially with smalling out now, knows if I need to make a play, I go to him. Matt Robinson knew that. Right, it got him back into the Michigan game. All right, number six, I had to put them together. Um, the Hanson Hammer. There you <laughs> two, go. Two more of them. Two more forced fumbles. The one coming around on a strip sack. He's done that multiple times this year. But the play on Jonathan Taylor, they are about to put the nail in the coffin. I mean, I, I don't know if we think about that play enough. They're about to put the nail in the coffin on you. And Jonathan Taylor, to his credit, fighting for extra yards. But I'm sure he'd just go down in hindsight because Jake Hansen who I talked to this week, said when they start going to the ground, they start to put their arms out, and that's when the ball gets exposed a little bit. And he just swung his arm back and punched the ball. Pop out it comes. Isaiah Gay returns it, and that's how set up the Josh Emans and Matt Bebe uh, touchdown. So huge play. I, I don't. I feel like I'm putting these too low, but it tells you how many big plays have right. to be made. But th- winning the turnover battle is what has given Illinois a chance, whether it was Nebraska, whether it's Michigan, they forced a couple turnovers, and then this one, they win the turnover battle against a team that always takes care of the ball. So Jake Hansen, again, he's an all-Big Ten player right now. Yeah, he's Illinois' best defensive player right now, no, yeah. no doubt in my mind. And, Not even close. Yeah, I mean, I think, that, <laughs> I think that that is probably the third best defensive play, which says a lot about what Illinois did defensively. If Jake Hansen's two force fumbles are the third best play of what the defense did. Yeah, we'll come back to like a play that actually was a mistake but turned into a big play because um, that's on my list. But number five is the goal line stand, number two. There were two of them. I think people forget. They, they forced a field goal early in the game. But the goal line stand, number two, especially play three. Because they, the first play, they stuffed. The second play was a little bit of a gain, but they Nate Hobbs made a good play. Milo Eifor made a good play. And that was on Taylor the second time. Because the first time was on the fullback, the second one was Taylor, and then the third one came up. It was up. the fullback, and Jamal Woods just completely blew it up. It, it was... Jamal Woods just styming the fullback. And then I think Stanley Green came in to, to finish it off. Just a monster play. And and I don't blame, you know, some people have come in hindsight and said, why wouldn't you give Jonathan Taylor the ball on fourth down? They had to take a two-score lead, right? And, and it really should have worked out for Paul Christ. But just keeping that game within 10 points, just monster, and obviously set him up to, to win the game later. So I thought Jamal Woods on that play, what a game changer it was. The, the, I, I would say what, the percentage odds of winning that game changed a lot in that one play. Yeah, because you're talking about it instead of it Four being points. 27-14, it's 23-14. And it still felt like a big play there just for mm-hmm. Illinois to get a field goal. But looking back, that's even bigger than I originally thought about how big that was. I think this one will go down more memorable for fans because of who did it. But but the Dre Brown run I have at number four. Yeah. Um. He, it's that as I said on Saturday, that's the epitome of what you want Illinois football to be, and it is Dre Brown, right? Don't quit. Keep working. Keep fighting. Um. Don't give up. Don't quit. Um. You know, Mike Dudak was that too. 
But Dre Brown, I mean, what a tough run to get those extra yards and give James McCourt, no, though he didn't need it probably, but to give James McCourt a little bit more margin for error by getting it closer five, six, seven yards, what a run that was. And he needs to continue to get the rock because he just runs so dang hard. And I don't think Reggie Corbin should be a 15, 20 carry a guy. I no. think I think Reggie's most effective as a 12 to, to 14 carry guy and Dre Brown uh, is is good enough to give you 10 15 carries a game. So I I loved seeing Dre Brown get more tick and to continue to show that he's a good player. I think he's going to end up with like 500 rushing yards. Completely agree. The backstory on that run actually was that Reggie Corbin was supposed to be in the game and he was not feeling it at all and he told Dre, "Hey, please go get in there. I've gotten hit too much. I'm done. I can't do this anymore." And Dre said, "No problem. I'm going in and I'm going to rush for 16 yards to get Illinois in field goal range. That, that was pretty cool to me. You know, one one bone I have to pick with Rod Smith is when they had third and one, fourth and one, he had Reggie Corbin in the game. Yeah, don't, and, don't agree with that. Yeah, and he's running inside zone or, you know, just right off the tackle. It's like, no, that's that's Dre Brown territory. That's what you want him to do. Because Dre uh, Brown hits a linebacker and falls forward two yards. Reggie yeah. hits a linebacker and doesn't usually fall forward. He usually yeah, gets driven back. He's five nine, hundred eighty five pounds, right? As compared Dre, to Dre's five ten, yeah, two twenty. So it's it's just I, I didn't think Rod Smith put them in a great position there. Number three, um, it's just again the don't quit, don't don't stop fighting even when you make a mistake. Devin Witherspoon's tackle. Now it, it was a bad play for him originally, but just the hustle and it completely changes the game and it gives yourself a chance to hold them and ends up saving four points for him after the defensive line and the defense holds him uh, at the line of scrimmage at the goal line. So kudos to Devin Witherspoon. Like that is a play. Like I just think I'll remember that play a little bit more in hindsight. Yeah, because right? it's just like Terry Hawthorne against Michigan, right? It, yeah. It's they're so easy to remember. And you think about, we say football is a game of inches. How close was he, he to letting that one go, right? Like, he barely, barely just got just a touch of his shoe, which was able to bring him down. And that shouldn't be that surprising because Devin Witherspoon, his story has been the exact same thing. Kind of beat down when he was younger about his size and how he had to get over that mental hump of, hey, I feel like I'm too small. And he works and works and works and thinks he's going to Juco. And then all of a sudden he gets the right grade, goes to Illinois and makes a huge, huge play in Illinois' biggest win. Uh, number two, I thought I think I originally had this one a little lower on the list, but how could I? Because if they convert this, and I think they would have, if Tony Adams didn't make the interception, right? If he if he didn't fall back into coverage like that, and if he would have bit on the fullback, Jake Ferguson might complete that throw, or Jack Cohn might complete that throw to Jake Ferguson, and the game's basically over. So he gave, he gave James McCourt and Illinois offense an entire chance to try and win that game. So Tony Adams, who kind of didn't have a great game, and no, really he hasn't had a great season after a great camp, right? Like. We he were disappointed of, in him in the beginning, yeah. right, of that game. When we were sitting next to each other in the, in the thing, we're like, gosh, m- missed that Tony's one there. Missed that. Why is Tony doing this? Uh, what's going on here? That was a huge, huge play, and, Il- and Illinois absolutely needed it. Yeah, so congrats, congratulations to Tony because he needed that one. He's a kid that admitted he struggled with confidence for most of the year. Then he's been changed positions, but I do think Illinois has now got their four best defensive backs on the field. Maybe he gains a little confidence from that, but you know, that's, that's studying film. That's knowing what they had done earlier in the game to kind of suck you in with that fullback, and Jake Ferguson beats you out on the perimeter. So Tony Abs made a great read of that one, and Jack Cohn underthrew it just enough for him to go up and get it. And, of course, no, do you got anything else on that? Uh, well, I was going to say, can I guess what your number one play is going to be here? Uh, it is Ethan Tabell's snap. Ah, uh, thank you. I, I was going to say Blake. K- I was going to say Blake K's hold, but okay. <laughs> it's all part of the process. Or right? maybe Bryce Barnes block on the edge that doesn't let it get blocked. I think in the time I've covered Illinois football, this is the no doubt 
most memorable play. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm even thinking, like, I watched the entire 2007 season, and probably Juice Williams converting mm-hmm. uh, on fourth and one, that whole drive. Kevin Mitchell's State. one-handed interception to help him seal a win over uh, Penn State, I believe, or Wisconsin. One of the yeah, even, even Rashard Mendenhall's late <laughs> touchdown in the Rose Bowl. Like, yeah. I remember that play pretty vividly. Um, but that play uh, of the time I've covered Illinois football in the last, what, eight, nine years, no doubt, number one for me. Like I, I can think of some of the Nathan Shieldhouse ones leaping in the air against Northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and AJ Jenkins had a great start to that 2011 season. Jonathan Brown had some big plays, and no, it just happened. But James McCourt beating number six team in the country with a field goal right down the middle after missing one from a similar distance early in the game. What a moment! What, what a moment! moment. That, that was that was unbelievable to be on the field for that. Right under the, I was right under the goalpost, right by Robert. Robert was losing his mind, and that that just that was just fantastic. It was surreal. It was even for like even for a guy like me covering it. Obviously, the greater story, right, is is Illinois winning that game. So in your mind, you're like, man, I'd love to write that story. Winning is the better thing. Um, but like, I've just it's. It was so surreal for the team I covered that everything that could go wrong has gone wrong basically over the last decade. It was awesome. It was awesome just to witness that and to be there in person on the field to be in that happy mob, as, as Brian Barnhart so eloquently called it. It was just so cool to be a part of that. It was. It was fantastic. It was riveting. It's one of those things that you'll remember. If you were there, you'll remember it for a really, really long time because we could look back at that moment and go, that, that's, that was it. That's when Illinois football finally turned things around for good. And I was there, and I watched James McCourt walk out on the field, and I watched Levy Smith actually show emotion on the sideline for one of the first times ever as an Illinois head coach. And th- that was a really, really cool moment. And I felt good for the, some of those older guys, too, like, oh. you know, like Mikey Dudek. That meant a lot to him throughout that whole process. Some of those older guys, some of those seniors like Dele Harding or Jake Hansen, who've been through so much, or Jamal Think Malone, all the crap they've been yes yeah, right. that they didn't deserve and it right? made me go man i wish nick allegretti was here to to see this or man i really yeah. wish mike dudek was on the team to be able to experience that but you know what they those guys were big parts of this thing and good for them to finally get that moment and illinois football got their moment now they got to build off of it um the Illini productions guys have done such a great job all year so good and, at their job and, and, and they had an extended cut and i talked with uh zach uh, all foolish on my radio show and it was great getting some behind the scenes stuff especially the dick bucket stuff i know you talked to him about it but the moment of that extended cut that just gutted me. And, and I saw Io Shugbanyu in tears on the field, and that's why I asked Io about what he was thinking about. And he said it was Bobby. And talking to the players after the game, you find out they FaceTime Bobby Roundtree. And in that extended cut, which you can find on YouTube, just search Illini Productions, um, you can see Bobby on FaceTime. You can see his face. And it gutted me. I was like, man, that's awesome. Yeah, that, like a guy that wanted to be there can't be there. He's laying in his hospital bed in Chicago because of tragedy. But modern technology and Io Shugbanyo and his teammates thinking of him in that moment where they could be the most selfish in the world. Right, they bring their friend in who who can't be there and deserves to be there, and it's a tragedy he's not, and you get to see. Just the outline of a smile on Bobby Roundtree's face. And I understand why they haven't let us in, right, to, to what's going on there, because he deserves his privacy. But it was nice to see that smile it was on, on that small phone. And, and it, it just. And that, and, and that guy, and, that, and Bobby was as big of a part of that as anybody, right? Because mm-hmm. of the, the, the work ethic that he put in. And if you don't know, 
they FaceTime him on a daily basis to try to talk with him. So it, it doesn't surprise me that Ayo Shagbanya was the one that did that. He's the one that FaceTimes him almost every single day to keep him involved. And that just shows how much, one, Bobby means them, and two, it shows the character of a guy like Ayo Shugbanyo. He is a good person who cares about you know Bobby and cares about this entire team, that he understands how much football matters to Bobby and how much being a part of that Illinois team matters to him and how he needs to share that moment with him. That that's, says a lot about the person, too, as well as the team overall. I talked to Eric O'Grand a couple months ago after the Bobby thing uh, tragedy happened, and he said, just people showing up every day, people talking to me every day. It meant the world to me, and it, it helps you through the day. It helps you stay positive, and just being a part of this still, even if it's through FaceTime, I think means a lot to him. Those guys try and visit him as much as they can, but obviously being two and a half hours away, it's it's difficult. So uh, kudos to those guys uh, for con- continuing to think about him. All the time, and I wish Banu had a heck of a game. <laughs> he's had a heck of a season. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't register a, a, a stat, and I thought he had his best game of the year. Even though he's had three tackles for loss in a game, like I just thought he held the edge as well as he has. And it's my big question against him was how he would do against Big Ten teams, especially one like Wisconsin. And he had a hell of a game. All right, but as you said, I mean, th- this could be like a one-off, right? Like, are you just going to remember this as a hey, they won that game in a four and eight season? Or is it, hey, this is the turning point for the Lovey Smith era. Hey, remember that game that turned it around? They finished, went to a bowl game, and all of a sudden, Illinois turns into one of the middle-tier or upper-tier Big Ten West teams, right? Like, that's what it's all about. And that starts next week. As Lovey said, they got to make it two in a row. Let's talk about how they do that or if they'll do that. Our Purdue preview is next. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, Isaac Trotter, before the year, I said Illinois would finish sixth in the Big Ten West above Purdue, and I predicted Illinois to beat Purdue in my season predictions. You can go back look that up, and I think it was 34-31 I had it predicted, but Illinois, even after a win over Wisconsin and, and Purdue really struggling here at 2-5, and five, um, Purdue is a nine-point favorite, nine-and-a-half-point favorite. What do you think of, of that spread? I think it makes perfect sense. I think I, I think it is because one thing they say about betting is uh, the home team always usually gets six points, right? So if this was Illinois at home, Illinois would probably be three point underdogs, which would make a lot more sense overall. Yes. So I think that the nine is is basically just saying, hey, Purdue's three point favorites, and then they're at home, so they get an extra six points. So I think it makes a lot of sense from a betting perspective. On the field wise, I don't think Purdue is nine points better than Illinois. I think they're very similar close wise. I expect this to be a really close, high scoring game. It's it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a really be a war, and I'm very interested to see what version of Illinois shows up. Is it the version yes. that against Eastern Michigan, or is it the version against Wisconsin, or is it something in between, like like Michigan? Like, was this really the last six quarters of football that we've seen from Illinois, dating back to the last two uh, against Michigan? Is this a turning point, or or is this just kind of a mirage? You know, well, even if you play the way you did against Nebraska or Michigan, I think you might win that game. Yeah, against this team, right? Because you're right. I mean, they've had. 
they've been snake bitten, snake bitten by injuries this year, and so is Illinois. And both these teams are the ones that you think can't really do it. But Illinois got an experience factor over over Purdue. This is a very young Purdue team, uh, especially with Sindelar out, Marcus Bailey, their best defender, Lorenzo Neal, their other best defender, and of course Rondale Moore, just the biggest X factor you can have. I know they have young, really good talent, David Bell, George Karloftis, all of that. But this is a very flawed team. It's just, I think it comes down to Jeff Brom has a lot of credibility. Lovey Smith has one game of credibility, right, for the most part. If, if, if you're looking at this from who can make, who can get the big wins, but mm-hmm. if, if Illinois didn't win last week, we'd probably be sitting there thinking 13 points, 14 points would mm-hmm. be the spread. Well, oh yeah, that, that's, and that's really, really appropriate. But I, I, I remember when Ohio State beat Purdue, or no, Purdue beat Ohio State, I mean, and they just crushed them, right? 49 to 20. We talked about after that Wisconsin game on Saturday in the post game or in our podcast, I said that feels like Illinois' moment, like just like Purdue had their moment. Well, the following week, Purdue lost at, on the road to Michigan State 23 to 13. So it wouldn't shock me at all if Illinois loses again after an emotional big time victory like that. But there's this opportunity here where Purdue bounced, used that win against Ohio State, even though they didn't beat Michigan State the next week. They beat Iowa, they beat Wisconsin, or, and they beat Indiana to make it to a bowl game. Illinois has to do that exactly same thing so when I when I look at Purdue I think they have 17 or 16 starters that are underclassmen Illinois on the other hand is probably gonna have 16 or 17 upperclassmen in the starting mm-hmm. lineup so you're older than them you're playing a little bit better than what they are right now even they're though without other, their three best players right four they're, best they're players. way more injured than you. you this is a this is a game that Illinois probably should win not saying yeah. they will but they probably should on paper they have a really really good chance to win this game it's set up for you, right? Like they're vulnerable. I mean, they're feisty. They they took Iowa to to the limit last week. Like I, they're a scary team, especially with the way they play in their coach, right? Like uh, if you look at this, like Purdue, sixty six rushing yards per game, two point three yards per rush, right? Illinois should be able to stop them running the ball, but they run it a different way than Wisconsin does. And we saw Minnesota run all over Illinois, and they're not very good at it. Um, they lead the Big Ten, of course, in passing yards. 290 passing yards per game, eight touchdowns to three interceptions. Even with Jack Plummer, he's taken care of the ball the last couple weeks. But their defense is very vulnerable, right, especially in the middle of it, the linebackers. I think Illinois should be able to run on them. I think Illinois should be able to pass on them. To Daniel Barker, please. Yeah, um, and the biggest key, of course, and I, I know there's a cop-out, but if Illinois continues to take away the ball like it has the last couple weeks, they should have a real chance to win this game on the road. Completely agree. I mean, takeaways is everything for this Lovey Smith defense, and they're number one in the Big Ten in it. They've forced 12 forced fumbles, I think, this season. And now, granted, Jake Hansen's done basically over half of that by himself, but if the Illinois is able to win the turnover battle and consistently run the football, they're going to win this game. And that's the thing. I think that this Illinois run game has kind of been – uh, not very good the last couple weeks. But part of that is Wisconsin's number one in the Big Ten or number one in the country in rush defense, and Michigan's a top 15 team in the in the country in rush defense, too. So there are I, I thought they were why. great. I thought they were great at Wisconsin. I know they got had a lot of losses, right. but, man, they got some big chunks. And to do it against that defense, I, I was pretty impressed. But that that's that's the thing. Like, those little plays, those Dre Brown runs, those Reggie Corbin breaking for a 43 yards. So even though the overall numbers don't look that great, Illinois still had some form of success on the ground, and I think think against a Purdue defense that's not very good rush or stopping the run you could see a kind of one of those explosion games like this would not shock me if Illinois rushes for 250 to 260 yards now I thought they would do this last year against Purdue too and Purdue's defense came out and <laughs> shut them down so yeah. it, it'll be really fascinating to watch
Yeah, both these uh, coordinators, whether it's Jeff Brom as the offensive guy or Nick Holt, they get they get creative. They they get very creative, and I think they'll do some things that'll try and uh, confuse Illinois, and that's worked for other uh, defenses uh, the last couple of you know games here for the Big Ten. I mean, for me, the line in the spotlight it's Brandon Peters. You're returning closer to home, your home state. A lot of people thought Purdue was going to add you. They didn't because they liked Elijah Sandilar and they liked um, Plummer. Jack Plummer. So they didn't take you. They kind of, and a lot of people thought he wanted to go to Purdue, and he's been really inconsistent. If we get good, consistent Brandon Peters, Illinois wins this game. But we just haven't seen it uh, outside of what Akron. We just haven't seen that kind of Brandon Peters. You see like flashes, you see it yeah. a little bit, but man, it hasn't gone together. I had that one stat about like the quarters of football that he's put together that's just like horrible compared to like the others that are. Well, that's the thing. You don't get just like an average quarter. You mm-hmm. get a terrible one, right? Like even against Wisconsin, like just a couple terrible quarters, and then fourth quarter he was great. Eastern Michigan, a couple terrible quarters. Fourth quarter, great. First quarter against UConn, absolutely awful. First quarter against Minnesota. Absolutely awful. Second quarter against UConn, three touchdown passes. Right. So, like, obviously the protection has to be there, and I think it's been more running back tight end protection issues and wide receivers getting open, but Brandon's got to notice those things and get rid of the ball or just go down and take a sack or try to run. I, I got to say, I've loved the couple runs, and I didn't have these in my top ten plays, but I wanted to. The, the designed runs of Brandon Peters, a couple of those a game, they were huge against Wisconsin when you needed a first down. No one's keying on him, and then all of a sudden he's got ten yards easily. Picks up a first down. I'd like that to happen maybe three or four times instead of one or two, right? Like I'd like to have that happen a little bit more. But but I completely agree with the, with the offensive player in the spotlight needing to be Brandon Peters because if he is good, when he is good, Illinois is really good overall, and his upside when he's at quarterback is so much higher than when Matt Robinson is at quarterback. I love Matt. I think we've seen good at signs from Matt, but when Brandon is clicking that's when this offense really is at their best. So if the run game is good and the offensive line dominates the line of scrimmage like I think they should be, and Brandon Peters continues to to play turnover-free football, get Josh Amaterbebe involved, get Casey Washington and and Donnie Navarro and Daniel Barker involved, Illinois' offense could put up some huge, huge days. But again, even though they played great against Wisconsin defensively last week, my biggest question is, does this defense put it together back-to-back weeks? Can they stop a spread spread offense? I think you're going to have to get into a shootout. Like I think it's going to get into a shootout here. This feels a little like Nebraska last year on the road. Yeah, I don't know about 50-something points that they got to score, but you know what I mean? Like I think Rod Smith has been pretty dang good the last couple weeks. All right, and and I think your offensive line, I think, is good, solid to good in the Big Ten. Your running backs, you know what they're capable of. Joshy Matorbebe, Daniel Barker, and and even throwing guys like Casey Washington, Donnie Navarro, and Dominic Stampley's made some plays the last couple weeks. I think you have the weapons to put up points. It's can your quarterback be the point guard for it all? Can can he make the right decisions, make the throws, not overthrow or just completely miss Joshy Matorbebe down the field? Right, like you need to make those plays this week uh, to keep up with. Um, defensively, for me, it's about takeaways. I think you're going to give up yards. They're going to get some big plays because it's what they do. Um, you got to get after the quarterback, but they get rid of the ball so quick, and you don't have Penn State athletes. Like Penn State had, what, 10 sacks or something against Purdue? Mm-hmm. I don't think you have the athletes to get to them, especially if Batiku can't go. Um, so I, I just think you got to get your hands up at the line of scrimmage, try and defend some throws. But I, I don't know if they can send the house against Purdue. I don't know if they can do that against this team. So, 
for me, it's bend but don't break against Purdue's offense because I think they're going to get theirs in the in the passing. Yeah, forced field goals. That's that's the thing. If they can if they can shut them down in the in the red zone, that'll be really important. I think this could be a game where Milan and Oliver really can build off of what they did last week and get after Plummer on the interior of Purdue's offensive line. They're, they're really young there. They're yeah. really really young there. Those two guys could be interesting. And I, I I don't think they could bring the house, but I think there could be instances where some linebacker blitzes on the interior of that offensive line to take advantage of the, some miscommunications between some of the redshirt freshmen and the sophomores that are playing on the interior of the offensive line could work out in Illinois' benefit. And we've seen Daley Harding's a good blitzer. Milo Eifler, I think, is a good blitzer. Now, he hasn't finished some of off his, his yes. blitzes. They, like He's in the backfield, has a running back dead uh, dead to rights, five yards behind the line of scrimmage, but can't tackle. But both of those linebackers have been decent. Obviously, we know Jake Hansen has been decent. Also, I have one more little stat about Jake Hansen. We all have good stats about the forced fumbles. But the forced fumbles that he has this year, he has seven. No other Big Ten team has more than him himself. <laughs> no other Big Ten team has more than Jake Hansen himself. That's he's got he's got a three uh, fumble lead on the next guy in the country. Yeah, right. Who happens to play for Nebraska. <laughs> nuts, just absolutely nuts. What he's doing, he's been fantastic. Uh, can we see a little Isaiah Gay flashing? That's here? my. That's my. All right. So when the preview comes out tomorrow, that's yeah. probably who's going to be the guy there as the defensive spotlight to watch because that pass rush he had against Wisconsin late. <laughs> he got one. That was, that, like, that was like, that um, was like, oh gosh, what was who was that team? A Western Kentucky back in the day, right? 2017 when he had the really good blitz off the edge against Western Kentucky. That was like the Ball State Isaiah Gay that we got so used to seeing after one mm-hmm. game. He just yes. disappeared for the other 22 in between. Isaiah Gay and Owen Carney combined one tackle for a loss. But uh, I, saw some, I saw some flashes. We were all <laughs> over that in training camp, though. We said yeah, I didn't it. We like said it. that. Didn't like what I saw. I liked how Sugbanio gave effort, and he ends up starting, and he's had uh, he's second on the team with seven tackles for a loss. So uh, that's why I wrote about him this week, along with the Bobby stuff. So, all right, what do you think? What's your prediction here, Isaac Trotter? Are you going homer? Because you know I'm going the homer pick. No, I've gone back and forth on this. I really, have. I have two. I'm going okay. Purdue 34, Illinois 31. I, I think it's, I think this game is going to be really close. I think it's going to be competitive. Again, I just keep going back to this whole like betting thing. You always take the team that came off a big emotional upset mm-hmm. win. You always fade them the next week because it's really hard to sustain that momentum. Although I do think Illinois' running game and Illinois' offensive line, those are things that are easy to control, right? You know what you're going to get from those guys every night out, and I think they're going to have a big game. I just, I just feel like this Purdue offense <laughs> is going to be able to make one or two big plays that Illinois' defense won't be able to stop. Uh, I don't think forty-six to seven will happen, but no. I think uh, there is a chance. I think Purdue could run away with this. I don't think forty-six to seven was going to happen last year either, though. Remember? <laughs> but I, yeah, these injuries They're for scary. Purdue are, are moms. I, these Purdue injuries are to their best players. Uh, I think they're vulnerable, and I think Illinois uh, has locked in. I, I really like what I've seen from the coaching staff the last couple of weeks. They've been great. They've been yeah, really I, great. I, even the game plan against Michigan, I didn't start off very well. But they got them to focus, right? And no matter what we think of Lovey Smith and how boring he can be and his mantras, we hear from the the Bears players, former Bears players this week, Lance Briggs, Nolan Crutes, and all the world. Like that's what kept us from going off the rails at times. Like even if we had a bad start, we could come back. And I think they got them focused. Like I love that Lovey Smith after this game wasn't just like go celebrate, boys. We just broke through. He's like, no, now we got to make it two in a row. Like now, like enjoy it for a little bit. But if we're going to make this count, we have to go on the road. 
So I'm going total homer narrative, <laughs> which I rarely do, right? Usually I'm the hater here. Um, I'm, I think Illinois is going to pull this off. I, I think one game like that, just like with Purdue last year, I, I think it can change the perception of a program and the feeling inside a program and the confidence. I don't think this group had confidence. And I think after that game against that caliber of team, this wasn't like they're knocking off a USF or they're, they're knocking off, mm-hmm. you know, even, even Michigan state a couple of years ago. Right. Like, I mean, that Michigan state team was trash. That was a horrible. They, they weren't very state good. Three and right? nine that year. But th- this is a, this is a legit, you just knocked a team out of national championship contention. Unless they win, out. you just cost Fox so much money. I mean, they <laughs> yes. had they had Ohio State and Wisconsin this weekend. They're so ready for this to make them so you much money, and then the Illinois happens. They're like, you, oh my! You might have cost those teams game day, right? Yeah, instead, you did. They're going to, instead they're going to Dakota. Have fun in Dakota, Kerr <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Curb Street. Um, so I, I'm I'm going with it. I, it's it's the narrative in me. It's probably the writer in me that thinks this is a, this is the great story to write, but. I like the feeling of Illinois. James the court winner game back to back weeks. No, I'm going 34-28. Wow, 34-28. So I think Purdue gets its scores, but I think Illinois gets enough takeaways uh, to to make this interesting. I think I think the run game is going to have a good day. Yeah, and and Brandon Peters just just efficient enough and and doesn't make big mistakes. It comes down to who you trust more with or Illinois's run offense or Purdue's pass offense. It's like which which one do you do? I'm siding with Purdue barely. You're probably right. It'll be really (laughs) really really close. And uh, from the writing perspective, the, the the good story is Illinois winning this game. And then because if you think about it, if Illinois wins this game, there's no doubt in my mind they go to a bowl game, right? Because it's just it's just gonna happen. It's just I, bound. I don't to know happen. about no doubt, but I like that you have three games because you're gonna beat Rutgers. Yeah. Uh, Although three- Wisconsin did say that about Illinois, they were gonna beat Illinois. Yeah, but I would say even watching like Illinois games, like they were competitive with Nebraska and right, right, and in Michigan they were within three points. Rutgers hasn't even been close to anybody. Fifty-two nothing to Michigan. What was the, what was the score to Maryland? Like forty-eight seventeen or something. I mean, like that? yeah, I mean Minnesota was like twenty-one to nothing for a while. Then Minnesota scored like twenty-one points in the third quarter to right. make it like forty-two to seven. They haven't even been close to anybody. Like Illinois, at least you knew they could give you a fighter's chance here. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with the Illinois victory. But we could be talking about something different on Saturday. But it's nice to have hope again. It is. It is. And it is also nice to look at possible bowl game destinations and how much it'll cost to fly out to Hawaii. It'll be great. Uh, no. If, we're, if they do, Detroit. <laughs> Detroit. That's what you want. Ford Field. <laughs> it's a very cheap trip for us. All right. Uh, thanks, to everybody, for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Hope you had fun with this one. Good to talk uh, some positive here with Illinois for once. As Mr. Momentum might be on the Illini side. We'll talk to you after the game from West Lafayette. Whether the good happens or the bad happens, Isaac Trotter and I will be here. Isaac, thanks, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Looking forward to Saturday. Yeah, big thanks to Derek Piper for joining us as well. If you've missed uh, any of the podcasts before, you can go back and listen to those as well as a fun one on Saturday uh, talking about this big victory. Uh, but if you subscribe to us, rate us, review us. We appreciate that. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast.